As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I think that having the conception of faith that I have now and the practice of faith that I have now, I think it is uniquely mine. And I don't think that I would be doing something more correctly if I gave up one for the other. This is Podvocative. Hello, welcome back to episode 10. We're on 10 now. We're officially double digits here at Podvocative. Thank you all for being patient with us as we took time off that we needed. Um, thanks for allowing us the space to reflect. And we're excited to be back with another episode. So this week we ask our guest what her favorite scent is. And I would love to chime in because I know... Our guest has very strong opinions against a scent that she said, and that's actually my favorite. Um, I love lavender. I love lavender ice cream, lavender candles. The color lavender, too, I think is one of my favorites. So, I would agree. I think you maybe took mine. Lavender is like kind of basic, but I love it. Like I'm just so surprised there's a hatred for it. Lavender is delicious, but I think any like flowery scent I'm into, like rose jasmine gardenia i don't know anything i'm listing off the things that um are in my deodorants yeah so speaking of raisa we're so excited to have had the chance to speak with her she has such incredible and unique story she grew up in a multi-faith household with her mother being a smiley and her father being Maharashtrian Hindu. And so she shares her experience of what that was like growing up and how that shaped her beliefs now as a young adult and figuring out what organized religion means to her um, and then how she wants to carry that in the future. Yeah, exactly. It's a super interesting story. Um, we won't give it away, but we loved speaking with her about her family and the way that she grew up and, um, you know, Raisa grew up in India and then recently moved to the state. So kind of comparing the cultures there as well, as well as within the two religions that she actively partakes in. So with that being said, we're so excited to dive in and we'll catch you on the other side. Thank you for joining us. I want to start by telling us who you are, what you do, where you're from, and then also what your favorite scent is. 
So my name is Raisa. I work as a business analyst at a consulting company in Boston. I uh, was born and raised in Mumbai. I moved to the U.S. at the same time that I started college when I was 18. I went to NYU for a year and then I transferred to Wellesley in Boston. My family moved with me to the U.S. at the same time. I have been here about six years now. My favorite scent is rose. It's definitely my go-to. I like it as a flavor. I like it as a scent. You just can't go wrong. I do feel passionately about disliking lavender. Cool. So do you want to give our listeners a little bit of background on why you're here and, you know, the story that you're going to tell us today? My mom is an Ismaili Muslim and my dad is a Maharashtrian Hindu. I was raised as both Hindu and Ismaili Muslim by them um, my entire life. I'm here to talk generally to my experience of being raised in an interfaith family and growing up being fully immersed into both cultures as an Ismaili and then also as a Maharshan Hindu. When you're the one person speaking to a topic, you are a representative for a group much bigger than yourself and then you have the sweats for talking for many more people than yourself when you've only really lived your life and not anyone else's. I definitely have rep sweats <laughs> right now. So yes, disclaimer that this is my very specific experience as being raised both Martian Hindu and Ismaili Muslim. Can you share with us how you identify now in terms of religion? And has that evolved over time? Have you felt more comfortable claiming one identity over the other? I identify as Hindu Muslim growing up. I definitely did not identify in the same way or was not at peace with this identity in the same way. I, being Muslim, like part of a discriminated against and sort of persecuted group in India, or at least at the very least a minority. If I didn't want to have a conversation about being dual religion, I would take the easier route of, of saying I was Hindu or marking I was Hindu on a forum, which I would not do now. I would raise my eyebrows if someone asked me what religion on a forum right now. What does organized religion mean to you? And what parts of it do you value and cherish? Now, religion, I think, is most important to me as a source of faith and being able to find hope in times of difficulty. Secondly, religion can be a really important aspect of community. There are many ways to find community, and if you were to say that religion is not necessary for people to feel like you belong in a community, I would agree, but I feel like religion facilitates community building in a very specific and special way. And that is hard to recreate in other groups. Like I went to a women's college, and I think we have a really strong community, but that's very different. It doesn't come at all close, I think, in magnitude to what it is like to be an Ismaili. Can you give us a little background on how your parents met and how they decided to come together and to start a family? Yeah, so they met because they were both involved in theater circles in college. Um, so my dad is a playwright and then my mom was an actress. So they met in theater circles and my mom has definitely acted in uh, multiple plays that my dad wrote and directed. So that's how they met. There is a legend that my dad says and that my mom has since confirmed that the first time he like saw her in a play or heard her voice, he, he was like, oh, who's that girl? And someone told him my mom's name and they were like, oh, her name is Manira. And he was like, oh, no, that's hard. So that's a Muslim name because <laughs> apparently he like knew the first time that he was interested. So they met through those circles. They dated 10 years before they got married, I think, in no small part because 
it was definitely difficult to sort of get acceptance from their parents. And I don't think their parents were fully on board, or at least my mom's parents were not fully on board when they got married. But then they definitely came around over the years and things have been totally fine since. But I think it was a uphill battle. Very cool. So how do they reconcile any religious or cultural differences within their marriage that may come up? Part of what helped is that they dated for a really, really long time before they got married. So my mom was pretty close with my dad's family before they got married. She knew all of them. Um, she spoke Marathi, which was a big plus. Like, there was never a language barrier. And my dad can't speak Gujarati, but he can speak Hindi and he can understand Gujarati. So I think they could still understand each other's families, which was a big help, I think, in this. I think they started at a very fundamental understanding that they both believed in God. They both prayed. They were both God-believing. It didn't matter how they prayed. It would be harder if one of them was really religious and religion mattered a lot to them. And for the other person, if it didn't matter at all, they wanted faith to be a part of their kids' lives and that they, they both believed in God. I think that that helped a lot. Is there ever a conversation between them, either before or after you guys were born, surrounding how they would raise you or if one of them would convert? Yeah, so they were both definitely super clear that neither of them would convert to the other person's religion and they respected that and there was never a conversation about either person converting. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how was faith presented to you when you were younger? It was decided that they would both raise their kids in their specific faiths. They decided that they would give one of their kids a Hindu name and one of their kids a Muslim name. So my brother is called Ritwik, which means knower of the Vedas. And my name is Raisa, which means leader in Farsi slash Arabic. In terms of practicing, so I grew up going to Jamaatana, saying every single day at home. I would like to say that my dad knows. He doesn't know all of the dua, but from like sitting with us, like when we said it growing up, like if you started a verse, like maybe he would continue the next like four, four sentences from having heard it so many times. Going to Jamaatana on Fridays, I was a guide a volunteer in Jamaatkana, which I really enjoyed doing. I went to step camp or to RIC. I got Varo for Golden Jubilee, which is very exciting. So I think in many ways I was fully immersed in the culture. I think a special thing that my mom and I used to do was I think morning Jamaatkana was really important to my mom. And she would take me to morning Kani when I was really young. I think it's meant a lot for her to be able to have the space of Jamaatkana and have faith to turn to when there were hardships in her life. And I think she, it was really important to her to instill that same faith in me. And the Hindu side, growing up in India, I think you were so immersed in, in Hinduism because it is a majority Hindu country. I had less headspace devoted to thinking about being Hindu. And I, in general, thought more about being Ismaili. I think if an analog would be thinking about someone who had a white parent and a parent of color, it would be a greater part of their identity to think about their parent that was Indian or Chinese or Iranian because it's just, I guess, the norm is to be white. And if you are, whatever part of your identity is is different from that is something that you would think about more. So in that sense, being Hindu was was, was the norm. So I, I thought about that less. Everyone celebrated the festivals. Most of my friends are Hindu. Like you would get entire three weeks off for Diwali every year. We would watch Mabar uh, on TV every Sunday when I was really young. So in that sense, I learned to be Hindu from many more things than just my dad. But I think my mom solely taught me to be Ismaili or what it meant to be Ismaili for her. In terms of practicing, did one religion take more intentionality, more time, 
what were some of the differences that you noticed? Being a smiley was more, in my experience, more of an intentional practice and that you were expected to live and practice your faith every single day, which is not something that I felt in my dad's family or being raised Hindu in general. Like definitely there is puja and religious Hindus would, would pray more often and and practice their faith more religiously and regularly and make it a bigger part of their lives. But I think in general, the, the average Ismaili had a greater awareness of their faith and the role of their faith in their lives than the average Hindu person that I met. Religious schooling and religious education is a big part of any religion. So can you tell us a little bit about what that education and schooling looked like for you? So I attended REC. REC was fairly far away. I think logistically it didn't work out when I was much younger, but I think seventh grade onward, I started condensing a step slash REC into a few week camps where, where kids could go on the weekends and cover more of the material at once. Generally for me, I learned much more about being a smiley and practicing that faith for my mom than I ever did from REC, even though I had a few step teachers that were uh, really memorable. There was not an equivalent of like a Sunday school or REC on the Hindu side. Actually, growing up, I don't think any of my Hindu friends had similar uh, religious schooling. I think it was mostly their parents and grandparents that taught them. Did you feel like there was space for you socially within the Ismaili community? I always felt that there was a space for me in the faith and there was a space for me to practice being Ismaili, but I didn't always feel that there was a space for me in Jamakana, like with specifically kids my age. Generally, like people my mom's age, like knew that my mom was married to a non-Ismaili person. I think it was like not a secret. My mom was definitely not trying to hide it, but I think kids my age sort of like didn't fully understand it. I never fully felt that there was a place for me with the other kids my age in Jamaica. Do you think that there was something to do with your dual faith identity? I think looking back, yeah, definitely, possibly. Like that was part of it. But I think it was also the sort of thing where I never made close enough relationships to understand what it was specifically that made me feel like I didn't want to spend that much time with kids my age in in AC. To follow up on that, like, did you feel similarly, like, at your Hindu place of worship, like, that you also maybe didn't have a place there, or did you feel more comfortable there? No, it never felt uncomfortable in a temple, but I think that's also because it's not guarded in any way. Anyone can go to the temple. If you are a parent in an interfaith marriage, it's maybe easier to be in a faith that you don't have to be baptized into it, and the place of worship is not walled open. And then I think the other part of it is that there isn't a closed community, like in the same way. So there are people that will go to a temple that's near their house often, and they'll frequent it, but it's not the same as Jamaatkana, where there is prayer at a fixed time every single day, and people congregate on the same days, and there is a community built around it. So I think the social dynamic is very different. Can you go a little deeper into how the communities differ that you've seen? What were some of the highlighting differences that you could pinpoint now looking back? The sense of community that you have as an Ismaili is definitely unparalleled in terms of like anything that you could get as being a um, like a Hindu Maharashtra person. Maybe there are specific communities of, of Hindu people following a certain god or in a certain region that have 
a similar sense of community. But in my experience from my dad, as well as watching my Hindu friends growing up, I definitely didn't think that there was a parallel. Anecdotally, I remember I was watching Incredibles 2 with my cousins and we waited for the, the credits at the end and we saw a name and we were like, wait, this person sounds smiley. And we looked them up and they were smiley and we were like, whoa, it's so cool that there was a smiley that worked at Incredibles 2. If you think about it, it's like, wait, I've never met this person. I didn't know their name until I saw it on the screen, but suddenly I feel a connection to them and I feel like he's like one of us, right? I think that in a very like pure sense is what, what community means or an aspect of what community looks like. I think that is very special. You and your brother, obviously you guys um, were raised very similarly. Do you guys have similar beliefs? I would think so. I think we're both at this stage in our lives where we're trying to figure out, I think as, as a lot of starting their careers out of college, people are trying to figure out how they want to practice their faith, what organized religion means to them and how it sits in their life and what parts of it they want to continue to practice and make permanent in their lives and what parts of it they want to do differently. I think we're both in the process of figuring that out, but I think we have the same sensibility. And I, I think if you were to ask him what was important to him about religion, I think it's as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The answer would be similar to mine. You brought up a great point of now that we're young adults, we are kind of figuring out where we fit into organized religion. I want to know your perspective on what you think about organized religion versus spirituality. And has that changed over time? Yeah, I think I definitely had a rebel phase. Where I was like, organized religion is just not for me. I can't go to Jamaica. Like, I can't, like, I don't want to go to temples or mosques or whatever. Like, it's fine. Like, I believe in God. Like, God knows I believe in God. Like, I don't need to, to perform these things to show other people that I believe in God. I'm not, I'm not into this. But I think over time, I think I, I'm now at the point where I, I see the value in having a structure to be able to live out those beliefs. I think having a physical space to be able to have your moment of peace or your connection or your community, I think I'm much more bought in on the, the value of, of those concrete aspects of organized religion to be able to practice the, the spirituality or the faith that you have. Why do you think people right now are afraid to pursue interfaith relationships? What do you think the hesitation is around that? So I personally, so I'm going to try to capture what I think my, my parents' experience with this was. Um, because I, being based in an interfaith family, I don't feel restricted that my or don't feel like my partner has to be of a specific faith i do i just have resigned or made peace of the fact that no one else is going to have an upbringing similar to mine but i think the hesitation is someone with fundamentally different values than you or the discomfort of your your day-to-day -day life 
and your way of living being different or sticking out. I think I know for my mom being raised a smiley, marrying a Hindu person, I think her her hesitation would be around she would not be able to celebrate Navros or Kashali in the same way, like with her entire family. Like it would be an experience that would be limited to just her and her children. Then I think also just I think if you have a dominant image of what a family is like where both people grew up with very similar experiences and upbringing and you feel like that you have a sense of coherence it's hard to imagine that it can work with two people that were raised very differently or have just different fundamental tenets is it more that you feel more like spiritually connected actually to both or is it kind of that those are the traditions that you grew up with so now it's kind of like a comfortable thing that is also sort of part of your identity and then part of your parents identity or maybe like your loyalty to your parents identity yeah that's a good question I think it's hard to fully disentangle those things but I will say it is an intentional choice to want to be part of both communities and practice both faiths Um, And I think part of why I make this choice every day is because of the way that it is is entwined with culture and with practices that I grew up with. For instance, I think there's a common practice in both religions for remembering like deceased members of your your family after they've passed away, whether you have nikshat in Hindu families or whether you do like dua, dua for Baha'i members of your family. I think like there is a similar practice of remembering the deceased members of your family after they've passed. And I think that there is something to be said that you have a more meaningful life knowing that you'll be remembered after you pass and that it matters how you'll be remembered after you pass. I think so part of it, yes, definitely is that I can't disentangle it from culture and I don't want to disavow parts of the culture that I was raised with. And I can't imagine practicing just one religion. Maybe this is a short-sighted view but I can't imagine practicing only one of these religions and then continuing to culturally identify with the other. Um, I also don't think that I would be less of an Ismaili or I would be more of an Ismaili if I was just an Ismaili and not practicing Hinduism or I would be more of a Hinduism if I were, or more of a Hindu if I was not practicing Ismailism. I think having said that, I never felt the need to, to switch. And I think that having the conception of faith that I have now and the practice of faith that I have now I think it is uniquely mine, and I don't think that I would be doing something more correctly if I gave up one for the other. So I know you said growing up, you really had a good time going to Jamaat Khana with your mom, specifically morning Jamaat Khana, and then also being a part of some Hindu ceremonies. Did you ever find that it was a way for you to bond with your parents individually and like kind of strengthen that bond as a child? And did that ever incentivize you like when you were a kid, oh, I want to go because I want to spend time with my mom? not necessarily entirely because of the religious aspect? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, yeah, definitely. I think religion is a way to spend time with them. So like going to Jamaica with my mom in the morning, like going to the temple with my dad. And then also I think Hindu festivals. The Ganesh festival is really big for Maharashtians in Mumbai. And I spent a lot of time with my dad and then also with my dad's um, like sister and my extended family on my dad's side like celebrating that, that festival. And yeah, and I think that that lot of familial bonding comes from from celebrating uh, religious festivals together and practicing religion. So yes, I think it was 
definitely a way of like yes I, I was excited about Ganesh festival and about about puja but I was also excited that I would get to spend all that time with, with my cousins and my aunt I'm curious how did the wedding of your parents work did they do both ceremonies oh yes excellent question it was in a court they both signed a piece of paper and they were married. There was no Hindu ceremony. There was no Muslim ceremony. There was just the court. It was very, I think, ahead of its time. Have you seen Ismaili faith evolve in its acceptance towards interfaith families? And has that differed from when you grew up in India versus now what you've seen in the U.S.? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say, yeah, like I think over, like even like growing up when I was younger through when I went to high school, like even in India, I think there was at least somewhat more acceptance and I saw more people get married to people outside of the Ismaili community. I think in the U.S., I don't have a gauge or a baseline of what it was like longer ago, but at least since I've moved here, I saw significantly more interfaith couples than I ever saw in India. I don't think I knew any other interfaith person in my Jamaican or in, in like growing up in any like camps or anything in India I think but moving to the US there were like two or three other I think interfaith families like in the Jamaicans that I attended it's definitely more common here yeah so I like that obviously there's more um, in number but in terms of acceptance do you think that the smiley face from your experience has created space for interfaith families to be involved so say for special occasions if you your mom and your brother are going to attend some some sort of kushali or something is there space for your father to also join in? Yeah, definitely. I think there is definitely spaces in terms of social events that is like made for not a smiley spouses, like especially in the US. I think in, in India, there was such a small share that people never thought to actively mention it. But I think if there are Jamaati programs and things like that, they'll make a note to mention, you know, not a smiley spouses are, are welcome. Um, I think it was special that in Didar, also that they have a section outside for, for not smiley spouses to also see and meet with Hazumam, which is very interesting that it's a different experience and different process. But the fact that the mom would also want to want to meet the non smiley spouses, I think, says quite a lot about acceptance. That's so yeah. sweet. I had no idea. That's amazing. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a thing. Very cool. So does your dad like actively partake in um, the events that he's like allowed to go to? Yeah, so he's quite a bit of time in, in India, so he's not around a lot of the time, but when he is, yeah. So this is kind of a tactical question. Obviously, the two religions have different dietary restrictions and dietary needs. How does that work in your house in terms of grocery shopping or when you want to eat out? Or is that something that's not really considered? Oh, yeah. Excellent question. So we don't eat pork because my mom is not not cool with it. So we were raised like not eating pork, but we eat beef because my dad is quite chill. My my mom was also strict about my dad not eating pork, which looking back, I'm like, what the hell, mom? <laughs> Do what he wants. But I think they, they got married on the on the premise that he would not eat pork. So I think my entire, yeah. So his entire time being married, he has not eaten pork. And then we never really brought beef at home i think my mom felt uncomfortable about doing it being considerate of my dad yeah generally we don't eat pork we eat beef so what are some questions that you commonly receive about your religious identity is it confusing for people that's a good question i feel like i don't get that many questions like after moving to the u.s i think maybe people assume that you're hindu if you're brown because there are not that many indian muslims that have immigrated to the u.s which is problematic in india i got more questions about it i actually went to the Khan academy for 11th and 12th grade and so my grade was like split 50 percent smiley and 50 percent not a smiley and i think the the non-smiley people had 
questions for me and what it was like because I was kind of like them but also I had the experience that all the other kids in the class had. I don't think I felt like I needed to defend myself for being both religions. I think the hard parts of being Ismaili was when I think people didn't realize that there were sort of like microaggressions that they would make knowing that I was also Hindu and maybe assuming that I was fine with it. Things like oh like one of my friend's mom was like oh like all the Pakistani people like I can't believe they were like part of of India which is a very confusing thing to say they were like oh yeah they should like I should never have been there and then my my friend whose mom said this was like wait mom but like Rice's mom is is Muslim or like she said Rice's mom like it and like looked at her like that and she was like no Rice's mom is Gujarati and I was like while true she is also Muslim like yeah so things like that where I'm like uh and then things I think sort of were I think in India the people that did know of Ismailis sort of thought of Ismailis as this like model Muslim community different from the other Muslims that were like quote-unquote like bad Muslims like definitely very problematic narrative like I had a teacher say oh yes like the Akhani Muslims are the the good Muslims they like educate their girls and they are progressive in their thinking yeah I'm uncomfortable with the premise of me being a part of the the good Muslims implying that there are bad Muslims that I'm not. Have you thought about how you would raise your children or practice your religions in your future home regardless of whatever faith your spouse may be? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I would definitely, this is the the unsatisfying answer, but I would definitely be open to to raising them as my leaf. It is valuable to be be raised in this faith. Similarly with being raised Hindu, I think it's it's valuable to have that exposure too. I mentioned Ismaili first because that involves a more conscious decision-making process and, and baptism, whereas I think like raising a kid Hindu, I think, is a less official process. Yeah. So just lastly, to wrap things up, we want to open the floor to you. Is there anything that we didn't ask here that we could have, or is there anything that you um, want the listeners to know about your story? Yeah, thank you. I think if you are to hold yourself responsible for raising your kids in a certain faith, I think it is important not to prioritize the script for the the value of being a quote-unquote like good Hindu or good Ismaili. Like I don't want to like reify these concepts. I think it matters more of what you value in your faith and why you want to pass those things down to them. And maybe it is helpful and worthwhile to think of why it's important to you to pass down the things that are important to you about your faith and not be preoccupied with whether whatever child you raise with your faith is going to be a good Ismaili or a good Hindu. Just that you have inculcated and passed down values that were meaningful and valuable to you. Yeah, I really like that message. Could you clarify what it means, what you meant by not focusing on being a quote-unquote good Hindu or good Ismaili? Yeah, so I think that was maybe it's not worthwhile to worry about. Like, will I raise a kid that goes to Jamaica two times a day and prays three times a day and uh, like all of like practices all of these rituals or follows like a certain script of being someone who practices this religion perfectly, but more so that you raise your your child to value the things or to see the value um, in the things that you value growing up. Great, thank you so much. We have one more segment. We are gonna do a rapid fire we're gonna ask you 12 questions you'll have 90 seconds to answer them and go what's your favorite form of potato roasted sweet potatoes favorite holiday um thanksgiving what's something you should do but probably won't get around to maybe read like war and peace or something like that what is your go-to order at your favorite restaurant uh, i like the veggie dumplings and the mustard greens 
at Amami and Bean Cheese at Mulan in Cambridge. If you were an inanimate object, what would you be? A water bottle, probably. Window or aisle? Oh, window for sure. I have, I've seen no arguments for aisle. <laughs> if you were famous, <laughs> what would you be famous for? Remembering things in relevant detail. If you could raid one person's closet, whose would it be? Probably Tan France. Yeah. You got through seven. Oh, no. So... At what age did you learn the most about yourself? 18. What TV sitcom family would you be a member of? 30 Rock. What compliment do you like receiving the most? About my cooking. What was the last book you read? Uh, thanks for the feedback. Well, thank you so much for participating. It was so much fun having you on today. Thank you for listening. Hope you learned something. Hope you enjoyed the episode. It really was so incredible to see how involved in each other's religion and life her parents were and how open they were to each other's cultures, celebrations, fates, specifically how she said her father can complete the dua if it's being said around him, which I think is so cool um, that it has stuck with him. He has heard it so many times that he knows this like integral piece of our religion. That was really cool to me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just such an interesting story because like she said, she didn't really know anyone that had a similar background in India. Like I feel like what they did was so rare in India and that's so cool and they were just so ahead of their time her parents like the fact that they didn't even have a religious ceremony they literally signed some papers they didn't do hindu they didn't do muslim they just got married in general i think this series of interfaith first with armina and now with Raisa, has been so enlightening but obviously there's so many nuances that we weren't able to capture in these stories that we highlighted but hopefully it gave everyone a glimpse and it helped you think of something that you may not have thought of before we look forward to seeing you back here next week thank you for your support and please send in any questions you have any feedback and if you have a story of your own that you like to share on this podcast please reach out to us on instagram or email us we would love love to talk to you thank you so much and have a great week As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.